Hello and welcome to Love Signals. My name is Michaela and I will be your host as we go on a journey of exploring all the ways that God is sending love and love signals to us and through us. Welcome back everybody. This is episode 66 and wow, it's amazing how much can happen in a week. I feel like I've been saying that for a while now. I basically feel like ever since I became Christian and maybe there were other times in my life. I I felt this in other times in my life, but specifically when I became Christian and around my birthday, I just feel like every week there's so many things happening in my heart and my mind and my life. And it's a beautiful sense of fullness. And I remind myself that change is constant, including change that uh, impacts how each week feels. There's the change of things happening in our lives, but then there's also the change of how dynamic life is or how quiet life is. So there's like the texture, the rhythm of life that can change. There's also the content of what's happening. And I've just really been aware of that. And it's so interesting to have a rhythm like a weekly podcast punctuating my life and pointing out to me how much changes from week to week, because here I am sitting in the same room uh, with the same basic prompt and theme and thesis of, okay, let's, let's do a podcast about love and about God. And uh, I just feel like from week to week, so much changes. So I love the theme that we've been exploring the past two episodes about trusting in God and giving all of the parts, all of the pieces over to God. And then in the most recent one, talking about um, really like what what does it feel like to live from that place? And I talked about how I'd kind of been living from that place of, okay, what is it like to trust with all of myself, all of my heart, and realizing the ways that, I can, uh, I don't know, kind of snag when it comes to that, the the ways that I can want to keep certain things to myself because I think I can do it better (laughs) or, or really out of fear. I think so often it's, yes, there's ego there for sure, for sure, for sure. But I also think there's ways that our ego will use more tender emotions like fear and the desire for comfort or the desire for um, knowing what's going to (laughs) happen or things like that. And so I think there's, there's a lot going on there. And um, I'm still learning too about how from a Christian lens and from a biblical lens, how things like ego are discussed. I think it's, it's very possible that more of the time in Christianity, the ego is not discussed necessarily as much as our sinful nature, because in a way, the sinful nature of humans um, includes things that we talk about with ego when we mean ego in the negative way, right? Of like being prideful, being like lying to get what you want, um, thinking that you're more important than other people, thinking that, you know, you need to be good at something to feel good about yourself, or you need to look a certain way to feel good about yourself, like all those kind of ego things seem to me like forms of sin, right? It's like we're idolizing, we're making false idols out of our work or our 
um, <laughs> prizes, you know, like, like medals we've won or, or, um, various, you know, various levels of esteem we've received. <laughs> so I think that in Christianity, rather than emphasizing ego, which like I said, I'm still learning. So we'll see what I learn as I go. It seems like there's that stuff is addressed more in the context of the umbrella of sin and sinful nature. And, you know, it's been so interesting because coming from more of a new age background and then entering into Christianity, I had a lot of resistance to this idea of sin and and like thinking of ourselves as sinful, it felt like, oh no, like, and I think some of that, a huge amount of that feels like it's kind of from brainwashing of like just the cultural brainwashing of like, oh, like religious people are so rigid and so condemning and all these things that when you actually read the Bible and when you actually study all of this, it's not what Christianity is about. And, um, it's really not. There's this distinction between being feel like this this experience of conviction of being convicted, like which I know that word also means like things with imprisonment. It is not that. It's a it's a different definition. Being convicted versus being condemned, and being condemned is there's this heavy judgment to it, and and we're not to condemn one another or even ourselves, but experiencing conviction of like, whoa, like for me, for example, realizing like, whoa, there's actually a lot of pride at the root of, of anxiety that I experienced. And that was partly from hearing a sermon by Stephen Furtick, where he talked about how pride is often at the, it's kind of in the core of anxiety because there's this idea that like, I need to figure it out and I need to be in control to be okay versus the the yielding and the humility really of trusting God. It's like, yeah, trusting God rather than keeping trying to trust yourself and put yourself at the center. And so I really experienced feeling this like convicted of like, whoa, I'm part of what I'm wrestling with right now is pride. And one of the beautiful things in my relationship with Christ is that I, upon realizing that, I can pray about it. And I, the thing that's so beautiful too is that we are forgiven uh, through Christ. And so I, I can request forgiveness and it is given to me as I acknowledge it, right? It's like in acknowledging it, in realizing it, and in earnestly seeking to move away from that sin, whatever it may be, God is with us. God God wants to help us every step of the way. And so that's such a different experience. And and that's something too where I think so many people get um, Christianity kind of wrong. It's like they stand on the outside of it and they look in at it and think, well, I don't want to have to do all these things to be a quote-unquote good Christian. And... I don't know who said this, but I, I remember uh, Dylan was sharing this. He heard it a while back that I think this Christian pastor was touring various colleges and one of the students asked him, well, do I need to quit smoking weed before I become Christian? Like, shouldn't I stop that before I can become Christian? Like before I can commit myself to Christ? And And the pastor said, no, you don't come exactly as you are. There are no 
you know, there are no hoops to jump through. Christ is here for you exactly as you are. And, and then he's like, okay, okay. But once I become Christian, I'll need to do it. Like I'll have to do it then. And he's like, not necessarily like let yourself have a relationship with Christ and just see what happens, see what happens. And that's the thing that I keep noticing is as I have this vivid and, and heartfelt relationship with Christ, things are naturally changing in my life. <laughs> naturally actually doesn't even feel like the right word. Things are, are unfolding in my life because of Christ's work in me. And I think that ties into something I shared on the podcast recently of the process of like, you know, salvation and then uh, sanctification. And sanctification is this ongoing process. So it's a beautiful thing because it's so different. It's so different than the world that I've lived in for so long, which had its, I mean, I, I, there are ways I really liked it. There's, it's, it's hard for me to just be like, oh, I don't like any of that. But it's just such a different paradigm than this um, placing oneself at the center and one's own will and one's own, just oneself as the, the creative force for creating change. In surrendering myself to God and in and humbling myself more and more, I feel like I get to receive God's grace. And there's this idea in, in, um, in having a relationship with Christ where there's, there's the fruits of the Spirit. There's all these fruits <laughs> that come from having a relationship with Christ. And those can look like, you know, deeper patience and generosity and joy and peace and, and all these things. And, um, and I experienced that. And, and I also, you know, I'm, it's, I feel God working on me <laughs> and there's times where it's like, it's a lot. And so I acknowledge, you know, the ego and all the parts that might be going on, you know, it could be one lens to view all that through is, okay, well, it's just aspects of sin and, and quote unquote, the flesh, you know, the, the kind of desires and impulses that we have as humans. And then there's also the whole aspect of, uh, quote unquote, the enemy, you know, the, the Satan and the, the principalities as they're referred to that rule over earth and that kind of want to, um, detract our focus from God and Christ and shift it onto other things so that we're, you know, we're, we're not focused on Christ and we're not having that deep devoted relationship, but instead we're doing other things. Um, and so I think that, I think that can be part of it too, part of the, the allure of pride and, and thinking that I know best. It's like, oh, well, I get, to, you know, I think there might be other things working there. So Anyway, <laughs> this is all to say, I've really been enjoying these, these themes of giving it all over, like, like almost as if I'm going through a room and just like emptying out every cupboard and every closet and every nook and cranny and just bringing it all out into the open in my heart, in my mind, in my whole being. And then this other aspect of trusting, trusting God deeply, deeply, deeply. And I had an idea the other day when I was walking around 
Um, because I realized how I've had a lot of years of, you know, psychotherapy and, um, like you just like for well-being, really, it's not like I need, need, needed it. I was just like, this feels good. This feels like self-help and self-care and all that. Um, where I had therapy and I'd have kind of therapy-esque friendships, you know, um, where we'd like process each other's feelings and, and just divulge, just divulge, you know, all the, oh, and then I have this thought and then I also have that thought and then this feeling and then da, 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 da. And I can sometimes feel this yearning uh, to have that in my life again, but those types of relationships don't feel quite right like to have that kind of intense, you know, intensity and seeing a therapist it really doesn't feel right to me at this time either. Um, and so I just was feeling that yearning to just have one place where I could just say all of it, say all of it and not be worried about the person misinterpreting or not understanding or not having my true highest good in mind, which I, I think that there's ways that even though we as humans can have the best intentions for one another. We, I don't know if we can fully, fully embody that and fully bring that forward without, uh, without a relationship with Christ. And that's why, for me, it feels so good to rely on Christ so much and to rely on my relationship with Jesus. And so, da 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 da, there I was feeling that sense of longing. This was a few weeks back. And I journal, right, you know, but I realized, and then I made a, a little voice to text note to myself, I can totally share all of it with Jesus. I totally can. <laughs> and then it's more just about what format do I want to do that in? Do I want to just do it? I, I love, I have like, <laughs> we live on an acre out here in the desert and we basically have a very established track all the way around the yard. But then I have like a little mini track in the one of the back corners that just feels more private that I do for just like a walking prayer. <laughs> it's, it's pretty cute. Um, and so that I was like, well, that could be one version. I could just talk about it all out there. But there's something for me about feeling like it's being recorded in some capacity, whether that's voice or written, that for me helps it to feel, I think, I think I'm a bit more mindful about the things I say when there's when it feels like it's being witnessed in some way. <laughs> and uh, so I'm still figuring that out. But it was such a breakthrough because especially when I imagine talking about things that might feel more tender or confusing to me or where I'm kind of feeling stuck, when I imagine getting to share that, getting to like, and then one of the books I was reading recently talked about this of like, don't live your life as if Jesus is far away. Like, Live your life as if, as if Jesus is in the room with you right now, all the time. And and because that is true, the, the part of part of the way it works is that in dying and then being resurrected, Christ gave us this Holy Spirit that is a being that lives in us as Christians. You know, if you have a relationship with Christ. The Holy Spirit lives in you. And the Holy Spirit is this being that, that's there to support you and guide you. And, 
and even act as kind of like a, this isn't the right word, but as like a liaison between you and God and Christ of like helping uh, with your prayers and making sure that they're delivered and kind of translated and all of that for God. Or, or so to say, I'm, I'm sure as years go on, I'll have a better definition, but that's that's part of what's going on there. So realizing that that there is <laughs> there is this resource, this support that has like the deepest, truest form of my highest good in mind, who totally forgives me, who and who is who loves me completely, all of the aspects of myself. And this is where it's interesting, especially when I think about love signals and the the origin of love signals of this love letter project and all of that. Because as time goes on, I'm still kind of digesting like, oh, how does that relate to like, what, what was I reaching for? I really, it's more and more as time goes on, I see the, the love letter project as me reaching. I was reaching, I was seeking, I was seeking out love and the full and true, you know, ex- expression and, and reality of love. And I was reaching and, and the avenues that felt familiar, that felt like, oh, this is, this is where I should go with it is, oh, well, let's, let's fill up on self-love. Let's do that. And I think it's so interesting how, <clears throat> excuse me, as the project went along, I became more and more attentive to witnessing how much love was all around me. And really, I think a lot of times I was using the word love when I, when I meant blessings, when I was acknowledging all the blessings all around me and, and the sense of purposefulness. I think that's something I notice about people who have a relationship with Christ is that there's this deep sense that there's a reason I'm here and there's a reason for all of this. Like there's, it's by design. It's, it's, it's by creation, creative design. It's not random. It's not the atheist view, which is, you know, random things bumping into each other. And then like, you know, it all kind of comes into, here we are, <laughs> you know, evolution, etc. Uh, But that there's this, there's this, this presence, this, this God, the one and true God that created all of it. And is continuing to be involved in all of it. And the deep sense of purpose and intention behind that is so touching. And it's so touching to to see life through that lens. And I feel like that's a lot of what was going on with the love letters I was writing. Was me kind of starting to feel that, sense that purpose behind the birds on the wire and the leaf rattling down the street. And all the details that were making up my life and, and that I was starting to see all those, those experiences, those little things as signs of love reaching out to me from beyond. And, uh, and so it's just so, it's just, uh, it's also cool the way it all evolves. I really, I appreciate it. (laughs) So, okay. So to include a little scripture in today's podcast. I've been reading Philippians, which is one of the many epistles, which are these letters to churches and communities by Paul. Uh, And it's beautiful. 
It's really, it's, it's really lovely. Um, and something that he was talking about, there's this really sweet, it's almost like, um, they call it a gnosis, gnosis patch passage, the Christological section, um, where it's, he's talking about Christ. But the reason I wanted to share this part specifically is because he's talking about humility and before I read the scripture, just getting situated, before I read the scripture, I want to share with you all some of the commentary in my Bible about humility. So one is just a short quote by Jan Silvius. This is a women's study Bible, so all the quotes in it are written by women, which is really fun. Um, okay. To learn humility is to learn contentment. In all circumstances, humility is not what we own or achieve, but in maintaining a teachable attitude, a willingness to bend to the will of the Father. And that is so well said and very succinct. And that's something that I have really been thinking a lot about lately because <clears throat> it's really been a prayer of mine with releasing pride and really releasing this possessiveness of <laughs> control is that there's this yielding and surrendering of my way for God's way. And there's also this, this release from kind of like my specific identity personality. Like that's something I've noticed. And I was, I was doing a little research on that the other day and and there are many Christians who really question the value of personality typing and just kind of going down any of those rabbit holes, which I've totally gone down in the past. I've talked about the Enneagram quite a bit on this podcast. And it's interesting to look at that through a Christian lens because now that I have a relationship with Christ, the identity that I want to emphasize is the identity I have in relationship to Christ, in wanting to become more Christ-like. And so there's a way that emphasizing other personality types and like, oh, well, I'm this way, so da-da-da-da-da. I can see how it's easy for people, and not myself included, to use those personalities as a way to almost justify staying stuck rather than opening up to becoming more supple and loving and and steadfast and all of it, all the, all the Christ-like qualities. And so I really like the way that she talks about that here. It's like contentment in all circumstances. It's not about what you own or achieve. It's about maintaining a teachable attitude, which to me, it's like, I think about, you know, the most teachable beings are children, right? And they're still developing like their quote unquote personality or like how they relate to the world. And yes, I will acknowledge like we all have certain strengths and we all have certain areas of weakness, but even that and through a relationship with Christ, there's so many ways that we can understand that as well. There's a passage of scripture that talks about like, you know, Paul said this um, in one of his letters of how God is made strong through his, like through my weaknesses as a human. God, God uses our weaknesses to show his strength, 
really. So there's, it's like, no matter what we've got going on, whether it's, oh, we have all these fruits of the spirit and all these spiritual gifts that we're able to provide. And those are some of our strengths through our relationship with Christ, or we have certain weaknesses and, and God uses those to help us grow or to, you know, shine his light through us to others, like whatever it might be. So I just, mm, it's beautiful, beautiful. And I really resonate with that. The other thing is, this is this little commentary on humility. So yielding of the heart. While the Old Testament understanding of humility includes lowliness or affliction, which honestly, just like side note, y'all, I feel like that is at least partially the dominant definition in our culture right now is that, oh, if like humility, like shows me like, oh, the humility of like, like, like there's like this heavy judgmental kind of like, oh, looking down on somebody. But that, so I'll start again because this is so good. While the Old Testament understanding of humility includes lowliness or affliction, its New Testament meaning is primarily a person, sorry, is primarily a personal quality of dependence on God and respect for other people. Humility is not a natural instinct for sinful humans. It is a God-given virtue of holy living. The essence of the mind of Christ was humility and sacrificial love for others, while the essence of the unregenerate human mind is selfishness and pride. Jesus Christ's life provides the perfect example of humility. Though he was and is eternal deity, Jesus appropriated humanity with all of the attributes of that nature except sinfulness. So that's that's something that's good to be aware of. This is Michaela commenting on this. That's something that's really important to understand about Christ is that he, he is deity and man at the same time, fully both at the same time. And he is God as a man. And he had to do, he had to be a human. He had to be fed and changed and all of that as a baby. And he had to grow up and learn and all of it. And, and he never sinned. He never sinned. So all other humans, we sin from the beginning with Adam and Eve. (laughs) All of us sin. But Jesus never sinned. And that's part of why, that's a huge part, why he is an example that we want to aspire to. So accordingly, believers should take heed to humble themselves to what they need to be. So during a little bit, I'll just read a little bit more here. So during a time when the Greek word abhorred the quality of humility, which I think is interesting. And sorry. Mm-mm-mm. This, this is during a time when the Greek world, not word, Greek world abhorred the quality of humility. Christ came as a humble savior. He humbled himself to become obedient to God's will, which led to his death on the cross. And that's another interesting point too. A lot of people thought that the Messiah or Christ who would come, because it was prophesied for you know long, long, long time before Jesus came, they thought he was going to be like a warrior and a, a warrior savior who would help defeat, who would save the Jews, defeat the Romans, you know, and, and lead them into battle. And he was not that. He was this humble savior. 
Jesus urged his followers to humble themselves before God and other people and to practice humility. Scripture promises that God will exalt those who are genuinely humble. Humility comes not from self, but from God and results in the praise of God. So I just thought that was really beautiful and interesting. And for me, it was just helpful because I think, you know, people talk about like humble brags or like being humble, like, oh, I just want to be humble. I don't want to brag. I just want to be humble. And I don't know. I don't know if I thought that much about being humble or humility in the past. I think I know I've felt (laughs) more afraid of other people perceiving me as prideful or as thinking that I'm so cool or so great or whatever and not like, like I knew it's like, oh, it'd be nice for people to think I'm humble. Like that, that would be a compliment if somebody said, oh, you know, she's really humble. She's really amazing and humble. <laughs> like I remember thinking that, especially as like a, a middle schooler and a teenager probably. But reading about it here and understanding more the full sense of humility, it's not about what other people think. It's about our relationship with God. And it's, and it, and we can't, become humble just on our own. It's, it's God blesses us with that. And I really see for myself that it's through relationship with God that I'm able to experience it a bit more. I I don't feel like I'm uh, (laughs) like saturated with it at this point, but there is this, yeah, there is, there is, definitely something happening there through the way that having a relationship with Christ inspires me to realize the ways that I'm falling short, the sin of pride or whatever it might be, but then also also the way that 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 forgiveness and love that he provides allows, to me it feels like that opens up this doorway for humility. It's like, oh yeah, I do want to just humble myself before God and and follow his will for me and, and, and keep focusing on that again and again and again. So, okay, here we are. Let's get to some scripture about this. So Paul is talking about, he's really encouraging um, the Philippians to, which I guess they were a rather wealthy uh, people and they could be like a little bit arrogant. And so one of the, that's one of the reasons he talked about humility is that he wanted the Philippian church, the Christian church in Philippia, Philippia? Yeah, I think that's right. To, to imitate Christ's humility. So in your relationships, this is um, Philippians chapter two, verse five, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature, God did not consider equality with God, something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, which I've heard other translations say he made himself empty. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. By becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Right? Think about the the humility that's required to surrender your very life to God, knowing that you will do, you know, that you, you, you're willing to do that. You're willing to take all the steps as things got more intense and more intense, the trials, the Pharisees, the, all of it, the tensions growing and all those peoples when Jesus was alive, 
building, building, building to him being crucified. That's pretty intense to humble. And of course, I mean, of course Christ could do it. But wow, like that is a really profound, that's a profound sacrifice and that's a profound form of humbling and trusting in God. So continuing here, those were what I just read is also referred to as like the seven-step descent into self-emptying. And now we're moving on to the seven steps of ascension, of, of God lifting Christ up. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. So something that I thought was interesting in the notes, footnotes for this section is that the bowing of every knee will be no mere genuflection. I don't actually know what that word means, but it sounds like, like a physical thing that you do. But an expression of total submission from more beings that can than we can now envision, right? Because it's talking about like above the earth under the earth, but this idea of fully wholeheartedly submitting yourself to Christ. So anyway, that once again, that was Philippians chapter two, verse five through 11. And this was talking about humility and and the humility that Christ has so beautifully embodied for us. And I really do see how humility um, is part of this whole theme that we've been exploring over the last few episodes. And um, it's part of trusting God. It's part of, you know, giving all of our parts of ourselves to God. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what comes as I get to explore this more. And um, this, this deep quest that I feel called to be on of, of deeply understanding the full and true nature of God as much as God wills us to understand as well as the full and true nature of love which is inextricably linked to God so with that I will wish you all well I hope that this podcast inspired you got you thinking got yourself reflecting got you kind of curious and opened your mind in some way. Really my greatest prayer and my prayer before every podcast these days is that God can touch my listeners in one way or another and, and touch their lives in meaningful and blessed ways. So may you be blessed. Please remember there is so much love here for you. And until next time, take care and may God bless you.